Welcome, danielswindow.org. We watch and pray. What are we watching for? We're watching out for a neighbor, watching out for a city, watching out for a state, watching out for a federal government, watching out for our brothers in Christ. We're looking out that window and praying and asking for God's help in this time of coronavirus. Is this coronavirus, is this a judgment of God? A very controversial uh, subject. There seem to be people when it comes to about anything, politics or religion, there seems to be a ditch on both sides. You know, the people on the right are throwing rocks at people on the left, and people on the left are throwing rocks on the people on the right. So people like you and I are trying to drive down a holy road. We're getting dents in our car because and windows broke from both sides. So is this a judgment of God? Because a lot of people on the internet say, this is God judging a wicked and horrible nation. And these other people say, well, God doesn't judge anymore. You know, every man is given once to die, then face judgment. So God's not going to judge us yet. It's not tribulation yet and so forth. So we're going to take a very deep subject, a very wide subject, and we're only going to scratch the surface, but I hope enough of it so that you can have faith and not fear, so that you cannot be afraid of God, but fear God. And so let's go on to uh, Job uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. And again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them to present himself before the Lord. The Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From roaming about on the earth and walking around on it. The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him on earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. And he still holds fast his integrity, although you incited me against him to ruin him without cause. And Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin. Yes, all that man is, is he'll give for his life. However, put forth your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh and he will curse you to your face. So the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your power, only spare his life. Then Satan went out for this presence of the Lord and smote Job with sores, boils from the sole of his foot and the crown of his head. Now who made Job sick? Was it God or was it Satan? It tells you right there is Satan. Now some of you are going to say, well, God allowed it, so it's the same thing. If God allows it, he's just as guilty. Well, <laughs> that's some dangerous words, and hopefully that you're just saying that out of ignorance. I've said that out of ignorance, but God is correcting me. And you find out at the, end of Job, at the end of Job that God, I think, leads like four chapters, just really rebukes Job upside uh, upside the side one, uh, one thing, <clears throat> upside the face, one side, and then the other. But let's break this down because Job has really been taught wrong by so many preachers you know and, and they're and they're doing it because that's what they're taught it but god has shown me a, a few things and one thing about this is this job is a court scene it's like a court god is a judge you know that god is the, the judge of the universe nothing happens not even a sparrow falls to the ground without god knowing about it you know, and some people want to make God as a judge. We don't even need a devil because God is just doing all the devastating things. And then some things that God is impotent. You know, the devil's down here smacking us around and God's just a coach up there trying to encourage us and saying, well, I can't do anything about it. You guys got to do it. Well, both of us are in the ditch when you think that way. But this is a court scene, you know, uh, where God is a judge. And one thing about a judge is a judge cannot pervert justice. A judge cannot pervert justice. And how would a judge pervert justice? Well, one thing, you know, take, you know, taking some money to make his judgment, you know, change his judgment. But also, he can a judge can pervert us by favoritism or nepotism. You know, we are the sons of God. We are. If you're born again, blood bought, you are a, a child of God. But if you break the law, if you break the commandments, you know, that um, that God can, you know, God cannot say that you're set free. Simply because we're a child of God. Now I'm not talking about, excuse me, works based. 
Because if you have Jesus, you know, you're going to have your faith and, and Christ alone and go in there. But I'm talking about the here and now. I'm talking about judgments upon this earth. I'm not talking about eternal judgments, okay? Um, where our faith is in Christ Jesus. But I'm talking about judgments right now. When we do something, when we do something wrong, we receive judgments. You know, if we, you know, if we touch fire, you're going to receive a judgment. God didn't burn us, but you receive the, the judgment of putting your hand in fire. But God, you know... God cannot have God doesn't have favoritism um, towards his, his children. If we if we break the law, if we do things wrong, then God can't pervert justice and say they're my son. Don't worry about it. We have that problem in our own world where courts actually do that, where judges have actually done that. You know where they've you know their their sons and daughters and they've got them sons and daughters off simply because they had favoritism and that's corrupt. That is wrong. God's not that way. Um, in fact, we have several stories in the Old Testament about that. If you read the book of Esther, you know, kind of a, a shadow of, of the way that God is. You see a king who is tricked into, into writing a decree to, to his 127 promises, I think. Maybe 120 or 127. I'm not sure which one. That, that, they, that they could rise up and kill all the Jews. Well, Esther, you know, went on a three-day fast. Her and all the Jews went on a three-day fast before she went into the king. And she went into the king, you know, talked to him about this. And the king was really upset that this guy had tricked tricked him into doing this. And so, of course, he executed this guy who tricked him into doing it. And Esther came back to him. He says, please, king, write another decree and renounce this first decree. And the king says, I can't do that. When I've written my, the law is above me. When I wrote the law, the law is up here. Well, God has done the same thing. You know, not a, you know, the word of God will not pass away. Even though the heaven and earth will pass away, the word of God will never pass away. God submits to his own law. God submits to his own word. God, in fact, one says, says that, uh, that he, uh, I guess it's not cursed, but uh, swears. Yeah, swear. It says, I swear by my name. I swear by my name. There is no higher name than the, than the name of God. So God has got to keep his own word. He can't break his own word lest he be an unjust judge. And so, so what happened is this king says, I can't take back the decree, but what I can do is make another decree where you can go out and defend yourself and even take the plunder by not only, you know, by attacking first, so go ahead. I'm writing that decree. And the same thing is happening now that God is the judge, but he's placed us down here. And he says, you know, I can't, the wages of sin is death. I can't undo that decree. If you're going to do wrong, you're going to get the judgment based in it, whether it be God is not mocked, whichever you sow, you shall reap. But God says, I can't overrule that law. But what I can do is, is give you repentance. And once you as soon as repent, you know, and apply the blood of Jesus, that, you know, that wage is not going to come upon you. You know, that sin is not going to come upon you because this law, this, this law supersedes this law. No, and that's not only in Esther, but it's also in the book of Daniel. When we just talked about in another episode, Daniel in the lion's den. Uh, uh, king Darius is the one that threw Daniel, you know, in the lion's den. And, and King Darius seemed to be one arrogant dude, you know, to want to be worshipped and prayed to. But nevertheless, they, he seemed to have a good relationship with Daniel. And, and when he found out that Daniel had to be thrown in the lion's den, he said, and he said a king, you wrote these and you know that you can't usurp the, the law of the Medes and, and the Persians. And, and so... The king Darius had to throw Daniel in the lion's den and says, says Daniel, I, I have to, but but your Lord will save you. And of course, that king couldn't sleep all night and he fasted all night and he ran down in the early morning. Says, Daniel, has the Lord saved you? And Daniel cried out, says, not only has the Lord saved me, but I've done you no wrong, O great king. Long live the king. You know, and Daniel was, you know, really loved the king as well because Daniel wasn't just saying that to say that. He really did 
understand that it wasn't the king's fault, that he did have grace and, and mercy and forgiveness towards the king. But the king couldn't go above his word, just like God is the king of kings. You know, he can't do that. He can't, when he puts his word up there, he can't go back on it. What is written, it's, it is written. But he did give us a better law through Jesus Christ. He did give us the blood. He did give us repentance where we have a different decree and we can go out and resist those who wish to take us. And one thing about this court scene is God is the judge, and we just talked about that, but Satan is the accuser of the brethren. So Satan is like the, you know, the, the prosecutor or the persecutor, really. He's the persecutor. He comes to accuse the brother. That wasn't Satan's position in the, in the first place. That was Adam's position. But when Adam stepped down from his authority and gave that over to Satan through, through, uh, through breaking the commandment of eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, Satan became in that position. There's supposed to be man in that position. And Jesus has you know, giving us that position because Jesus is the intercessor. Jesus is this, the last Adam who's taken that position. And Jesus now at the right hand of the Father, always making the intercession, intercessor, intercession for us. But Satan is still going before God because Satan is representing earth. God, Satan is the God of this world, it tells, in, it tells us in Scripture. So he's still going up there and presenting his case. But Jesus is our intercessor, sent at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for, the, uh, for us. But that wasn't Satan's place. And we find out, um, I think in the book of John, maybe Peter, where it says, if you see your brother sin, go ahead and pray for them and, you know, and God will restore them. God will help them. Well, that's our place. That's our place to go before you know, uh, the judge and say, yeah, my brother over there is sinning, but I know his heart. I know, I know he didn't mean to this. So what can I do to help him? We need to have mercy on them. Or as, as several martyrs said, and even Jesus says, do not hold this sin against them. You know, being in that, in that place of intercession, being in that place to hold off the judgment of God, not because God wants to judge, but because God is just and he has to judge wickedness. And so Satan is, doesn't care. Satan does not care about, you know, about somebody's motive. He doesn't care if you're ignorant. He only cares if you're breaking the law. Even our own court systems, right? If, if you break the law, it doesn't matter what your motive is. Your motive only comes into play as far as how long your sentence, how severe, how severe your sentence is. But if you broke the law, you broke the law and you're going to go to court and then you're going to be judged and you're probably going to prison. Rather, it's, rather it's, you know, it's homicide or, um, or, or, you know, accident, what do they call, uh, what do they call that, uh, I can't think of the word, you know, right offhand. But when you didn't mean to do it, it just happened. You know, when you had intent, when you set something up to kill somebody, that's a higher degree because of your motive versus somebody you just had a rage and you and accidentally killed somebody, you know, um, and you go out there. And even genocide is even greater than that. But Satan doesn't care what your motive was. Satan doesn't care that you were ignorant. You know, we can be in trouble. Oh, I didn't know that was wrong. I didn't know I was breaking the law. Well, that doesn't matter. Now, it may come in, your motive does or your ignorance does come in play when it comes to sentencing you. So you may get a lighter sentence because you truly were ignorant, but you still broke the law. And that's how Satan is. Satan's is accuser of the brethren, and Jesus is our intercessor. And we can join him in that intercession by praying for our brothers we see in sin that God can help them and restore them. But, but Satan has a place, you know. Uh, 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 Satan walks in darkness. Satan is the god of this world, as I mentioned before. But you know what? Satan is the god of this world. What world? This world of darkness, this world of sin. Satan is not the god of, of Christians. Jesus is the, is the Lord of Lord, King of Kings. He, Jesus is the, 
is is our, our is our God. So we live in a kingdom of light. We come out of darkness into His marvelous light. So Satan is not our God, but Satan is the God of darkness. He is the you know the Prince of Darkness. So when we walk in the light, we're not under His authority. And and, and Jesus even took His authority away from Him. But Satan still comes to kill, steal, and destroy. How does Satan come kill, steal, and destroy when Jesus has taken his authority? Because he can only do that in darkness. And if we walk in darkness, it doesn't matter if we're son of God or not. It doesn't matter if we're born again. If we're walking in darkness, we're going to receive the results of darkness. Remember that Jesus, our, our, our God, cannot play favoritism. He cannot have nepotism. If Jesus would have sinned himself, Jesus was the begotten son of God. If he would have sinned himself then he would have been just as lost as we are, and God couldn't do anything about it without breaking his own word, without being unjust. That's just how just God is. So a lot of people, you know, I've seen things, well, I'm a child of God. Well, you better repent because if you're in darkness, you're walking in darkness, a child of God or not, you're going to get the results of walking in darkness because Satan has a, you know, has power, the power of darkness, as Scripture is. And, and I do have a teaching on this that goes a whole lot deeper than this, but I don't want to do that right now. So Satan has a warrant out for your arrest if you're not repenting, but as soon as you repent. And then we find here that Job is on trial. And so and uh, so let's go up to, back up to this Job uh, chapter 2. And we're talking about the Lord said to Satan, The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? And most preachers stop on that, on that sentence and that sentence alone. But there's a problem with that because God is still speaking. He says, Have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him on earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God, turn away from evil, and he still holds fast his integrity, although you incited me, you incited me against him. So let's break this down. If you look at the Hebrew considered, it's actually two words. It talks about looking into a heart. And looking into their heart. And of course, the where you know what's in our heart, the motive of what we do. And so here is, here is God talking to Satan. Satan brings up an accusation to get against Job and says, and says, Job, you know, is only serving you because of the stuff that he has. You know, Job is breaking the law because he's in fear. Remember, uh, Job says, what, what I have feared has come upon me. And of course, what is not faith is sin. So even those kind of laws, that's even sin. It's sin, right? There's no small sin or big sin when it comes to separation between us and God. We need to repent all of it. And so Satan had a... Had a legal accusation to come up and bring up, but it, but God didn't like it because God is not black and white. God didn't want to have the law. God looks at the motives of the heart. In fact, God told us not to look at the outside of appearance of man, but God looks at the heart. And so God is seen into the heart of Job, and and when God looks in the heart of Job, he sees there is no one like him on earth. Hallelujah! A blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. You fear God, you turn away from evil, and still holds fast his integrity, although you incited me against him to ruin him without cause without cause and so god is telling satan have you considered my servant job not as here take him test him i'll show you how how you know godly i am no he's saying have you looked into my servant job's heart have you seen his motive have you seen his intention because what he's trying to do you know is wrong but it's you know not not according you know uh, right according to god's standard but he's ignorant of this but yet you want me to you're trying to incite me to bring you know justice to bring judgment upon him even though that his heart is right and satan is pretty much yeah yeah huh yeah so what what was job doing that brought all the because some people think well i'm just like job you know you know god gave me over to satan you know and 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 this, I just got to be tested. You know, Satan works for God to beat us up. No, Satan had a position that, that Adam was supposed to have. 
that Jesus now has, but Satan still has that position because Satan is the God of this world or God of this planet and sitting you know, on Jesus up in heaven, making intercession for us there. But we should be, we as people, we've also been in that position. So as Satan is accused of the brethren, we also coming in, you know, and, and joining Jesus in intercession and say, no, give mercy, uh, the Father in heaven, give mercy to our, my brother. Give him, give him uh, repentance, help him overcome this kind of thing. But Satan didn't care. He says, you know, I says, I don't care. So what was, what was Job's sin? Well, let's think about it. What, when Job lost everything, when Job lost all his family, when Job lost all his resources, all his wealth, what did his wife say to Job? Remember, if you read the book of Job, it says, uh, Job's wife looked at Job and says, why don't you curse God and die? Why don't you curse God and die? Now let's look at what uh, the first, when, when Satan came to uh, uh, God the first time around, he says, uh, that if you take away, if you touch, if you touch Job and take away all the things you bless him, Job will curse you. Job will curse you. So the accusation that, uh, that Satan was bringing before God is that, is, is that Job will curse you. And not only that, but you remember in the very first part of Job, and I'm not going to read it, but I hope you really read the first couple chapters of Job, is that uh, Job's sons and daughters would come together, I think, once a week, and they would have a party together. They would just fellowship together. They weren't getting drunk or having anything that was wrong. But, but Job, every morning, would make a sacrifice for every one of his child, lest they you know, curse God in their heart because of their abundance. They were a very rich family, very blessed family. And a lot of people, you know, when they come into abundance, they forget God. You know, God told Israelite, when you come into the promised land where you have houses you haven't built and wells you haven't dug and vineyards that you haven't planted, don't forgive me. Don't forget me. When your stomachs are full, don't forget me because we tend to have, when we have everything to need, we tend to be less dependent on God. You know, and, and, and we have to be dependent on God. Jesus is the, uh, uh, the branch and we are the, you know, the vines. We need to, uh, we need to be connected to him. We cannot do anything without him. But nevertheless, here was Job out of fear, not out of faith, because there was nothing obvious that they were cursing God. But he was so afraid they were cursing God in their heart that he was making sacrifice. And anything that's not faith is sin. And so Job caught on to this, how Job was doing things out of fear. He was doing things out of even religion. And so he brought that to God. And it's a legal issue. And remember, I said when, when there's legal issues, black and white. Why somebody are... If somebody you know commits murder, they commit murder. It's black and white. Why somebody did it is not black and white. What their motive was was not black and white. It may not have been on purpose. You know, may have been accidental. But here is Satan who has no mercy whatsoever. He hates mankind and he doesn't care what the motive is. And and a lawyer can't care what the motive is except when it comes to sentencing. And so he brings this. So Satan brings this up before the before God and says. You got to you got to correct him. You got to pass his judgment on him because he is breaking the law. And well, God says goes on and says, "You have incited me against him, because God, who is a judge, did not want to, but because God has given a position of of defending and bringing that up upon man, and man gave it over Satan. God can't do anything about that. You know, his, his hands are tied on that, and you know, stick with me on this. His hands are tied on that, so he told Satan, "Go do what you're going to do, but you can't take his life." A judge can declare how how big of a sentence is, whether it be seven years, fourteen years, or whatever it is. And you see that throughout Scripture as well. So Satan goes out and touches Job with all this sickness and disease, with all these boils, and uh, it'll touch him. So we know that, that Satan hand, Satan is the one who does those things, and not and not not God. 
But let me remind you that Jesus is our intercessor. And there are several things that, that God is doing because Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So you see Jesus getting ready to be crucified. Before he gets crucified, he takes off his priestly outfit. He puts around his waist, a towel around his waist. He gets down on his knees and begins washing the feet of the disciples. And of course, you remember Peter said, you know, I'm not going to allow you to do this. And Jesus says, if I can't wash your feet, you'll, you'll, you can have nothing in me. Then Jesus, you know, Peter says, well, wash my head and my hands too. And Jesus says, there's no need for that. It's only your feet because you're already made clean, but not all of you. Clean and hard he's talking about. So Jesus says they're intercessor and we're bought with a price. You know, Jesus is the Lord and, and, he, and, and he goes before us, um, before, before God. So, but God, the Father is doing the same thing. You know, God, when he had to make judgment, all he does is put down that gavel and says, the judgment has been passed. Satan, go do what you're going to do. But as soon as that judgment is over, God himself is also taken out of office, judicial robe. He's putting on, you know, a, a, a towel around his waist, and he's out, out in the streets along with his son Jesus, telling us to repent, telling us if we judge ourselves, we will not be judged. Jesus is our intercessor. Just because we're a son of God doesn't mean we're not going to be judged in this lifetime and the things that come upon this world. Because if we judge ourselves, we will not be judged. It's not just pleading the blood. It's not just you know, uh, uh, you know, believing and having faith and confessing and quoting uh, Psalms uh, 91. But it's also judging ourselves. We judge ourselves. We will not be judged. But God is not bringing this judgment upon us. He doesn't want to judge us, especially those who our hearts are towards Him. But when we break the law, whether we understand it or not, whether we're ignorant or not, it doesn't matter. They take the law of gravity. You have a father and son who decides to play Superman and jump off the roof. The father, you know, is a, is a physics professor, so he knows about physics. They both jump off the roof. They both come down and break their ankle, you know, and the, and the child is crying out and say, God, God, help me. Why, why, why did this happen? And, and the father, the you know, the father over there who, who knows physics, he's over there condemning himself. Why did I do this? I know better. I know we couldn't do this. Well, both, both of them are receiving the consequence of breaking the law of gravity one was ignorant of it the other wasn't one received condemnation the other one didn't so if you're in christ jesus you're not going to receive condemnation but you still might receive the consequence of breaking the law even though you weren't aware of it and one of the laws is making sure that we wash our hands you know and even if you didn't mean to satan is a legalist he doesn't care he does not care and so so first of all we need to judge ourselves so that we will not be judged and one thing but one great thing, well, many, many, many great things. Everything about Jesus is great, but he takes care of us. There is no extradition. When I remember I told you that Satan is the God of this world, but we're not of this world. We're in this world, but not of this world. The world that we're of is the kingdom of God. We walk in a kingdom of light, not a kingdom of darkness, where God is the father of all lights, and there is, you know, uh, there is no shadow of turning. And there is no extradition when we walk in the kingdom of God. So even though Satan comes and makes an accusation against us, God looks over to, the, over to Jesus and Jesus says, I know him. This is Jeff. And the father says, hi, Jeff. How you doing? <laughs> and he said, there is, you know, and, and, uh, and how do you plead? Well, he did do that, but, we're, you know, he did break the law, but he judged himself. And now we're, now I'm dealing with him. I'm chastising him. I'm correcting him. I'm showing him what to do. And God looks over to Satan and says, you can't touch that boy. He's mine. You know, he's, he's obeying the law. There is a, there's a law that's above this law. If you judge yourself, you should not be judged. Now, no, that does work in limited, you know, situations, meaning God doesn't judge us. I mean, you know, no matter how bad we do, if, you know, if we commit murder and we repent, says, God, I judge myself, God won't judge us. But we know that this, that this world will judge us. 
You know, there's been people that actually murdered somebody and later on, years later, they actually got saved and they, and they, and they felt they need to make, reconcile, which is what you should do. And so they turn themselves in and now they're in prison, but they're glorious, glorious to saved and they're glad they did it. Uh, and but uh, so you can judge yourself and God will forgive us and and but this world won't but we're in a situation where the coronavirus is a virus this is not something you know like we just talked about murder and so this is completely of God if there's any sin that Satan is holding over you anywhere you broke the law you know in the broken the law of love and we're going to talk about that because that's where the scripture comes from is breaking the law of love is talking about judge yourself you not be judged we judge ourselves and, and Satan brings accusation against us. God's not going to listen to him. And God says, you can't touch him. You can't touch him. You know, he's under he's under the blood of Jesus. So, so you might as well throw that out. There is no warrant out there. And even if Satan does have a judgment, he is coming after you after you and with the warrant, you know, to to, you know, to hurt you. You know, you know, God is out there along with his son, Jesus and the Holy Spirit and, and telling us just judge yourself. And that warrant will be torn up and Satan can't touch us. There is no extra extradition in the kingdom of God. And extradition is talking about, you know, if somebody breaks a law in this country here in the United States of America and flees to Germany, we have an extradition with, with Germany. So they catch them. They're going to send the person back. Well, there is no extradition law with, uh, you know, with Satan. If Satan comes, you know, if we walk in darkness and we sin and Satan comes up and accuse us, accuse us of doing that, but we've already gone to Jesus, said, Jesus, I throw myself down on this rock. You know, I, I did it. I am sorry. You know, God, you know, he's going to chastise us. You know, he's going to tell us what to need to do and so forth. But Satan cannot come against us and attack us because we're in uh, in a different kingdom. And there is no extradition. First Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27 through 32 says, Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, an unworthy manner, people mistaught that. I mean, who of us are, who of us are worthy? The scripture says, if you have no sin, then you're a liar. First, uh, first John. So if we have sin, so if we think we're about, you know, we're doing everything right, we're never worthy enough. Jesus makes us worthy. So when he says, eating this bread and drinking this cup, Lord, unworthy, it can't be about any, you know, one particular sin or the other. So we're going to talk about what really makes us unworthy. Shall be guilty of the body of the blood of the Lord, but a man must examine himself. A man must examine himself. In so doing, he has to eat the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks and eats and drinks judgment to himself, if he does not judge the body rightly... The body, talking about the body, body of Christ. You know, for this reason, many among you are weak and sick and even a number of sleep. Many of you have coronavirus. Not everybody because of this, but some people do. But if we judge ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. But when you are judged, you are disciplined by the Lord so that you will not be condemned along with the world. For this reason, many are weak because you haven't judged the body rightly. And what does it mean, judge the body rightly? It means knowing that we're brothers in Christ. We're called into one baptism, into one body, which is Jesus Christ. And so when we break the first and, you know, the greatest commandment of the Old Testament says, love God with all your heart, so we mind and strength to love not your, uh, love your neighbor as yourself. But Jesus gave us a greater commandment than that. He says, it's a new commandment I give you, even, you know, from the beginning. He says, I love, you know, love one another as I have loved you. And of course, there is no greater love than one who lays down his life. So, so. When we break that commandment of love, that's when we become unworthy to eat and drink. In fact, this is what's happening right here. People are drinking unworthy because they're not thinking about their brother. Some of them are eating everything up. In fact, this is not even really communion what's going on. If you had a potluck or something and you come in and, you know, and, and you eat everything up and the, some of the poor people come in and they have nothing to eat. You're not, you're not uh, discerning 
the body rightly, the body of Christ, because we're all in the body. So love one another as I've loved you. And I like to take this as Scripture says, love God with all your heart, so mind, strength, and love your neighbor as self. Well, if my neighbor is in need and I have a stake, I'm going to cut that stake in half and share it with him and, and have it with me because I'm going to love him as I love me. But if you're my brother and don't have a steak, I'm probably going to give you the full steak. And while you're eating your steak, I'm going to fast and pray that meal for you because I'm laying down my life. I love you more than my own life, just as Jesus loved you and I more than his own life. If he didn't love you and I more than his own life, then he would have never given his life. He would have loved himself more than us. But he gave his life. And so we don't want to be a stumbling block to our brother, for Jesus died for them as well. Paul's talking about eating meat to idols. He says, it doesn't bother me because there is no other God. God is the only God. So, so as long as you give it, being thanksgiving, you know, thanking God, the one true God, the, you know, the Father of Jesus Christ, um, then he, his conscience doesn't bother him. But he says, some people, it bothers him. So he says, if your brother sees you eating meat and it bothers him that you're eating meat according to idols then don't eat meat in front of him even idols don't don't put a stumbling block in them and, and too many of us of, of us christians who have the freedom where the spirit of the lord is there is freedom that we have freedom to do things that are not sinful they're not wrong but it affects people how many people now are alcoholics because we're not recognized somebody with weak faith goes in and starts drinking they go well if he can do it if pastor can drink well, you just got delivered from alcohol. God saved you and delivered from alcohol. Well, the pastor can drink. I guess I can too now. And boom, they're in it. I'm not saying you shouldn't, you know, you can't drink, but I'm saying that we need to be more, you know, careful on our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus so that we're not eating of the communion in an unworthy manner. We need to think more highly of one another than ourselves. The scripture all talks about leave a gift at the altar. It says if, if, you, if a brother has any anything against you, leave your gift at the altar. It doesn't even say that you have against some, your brother. It says if somebody has something against you. This has happened to me when I began praying one time and God told me somebody had something against me. So I quit praying and talked to them. It says go make things right um, before coming to that altar. Many times we've taken communion and we know we, you know somebody's uh, is angry with us and they may even be next to us in the church might be your wife might be your husband might be you know the pastor we need to make those things right before we take communion you know and at least judge ourselves and say god i'm gonna i'm going right after communion i'm gonna go make things right so that we can take and eat of the lord's supper worthily we are to judge ourselves and goes on and says if you would judge yourselves then you not be judged and i and i fear that too many people have not cared about their brother and sister. Even in this situation, I'm telling you, this kind of fear is spreading like wildfire. And a lot of people are, are, are bunkering in. They're not, they're not caring about some older people. I've talked to some older people that they're living on Social Security. And even though I stocked up, you know, and I remember telling them, they're going, I live on Social Security, I can't stock up. And so we need to go out. We need to you know, share and, and, and help them any, any way we can. We don't want to be a stumbling block to them. We want to be giving and sharing. So this is what we're talking about this time is the coronavirus about, uh, you know, is, uh, is this a judgment of God? And so let's quickly go over it again that God is a judge. He has allowed this. There's not anything that happens in this world without him allowing it. He didn't want to bring the judgment upon us. He wants to forgive us. He wants to wash it out. But Satan is a legalist. Satan has the right to bring accusations against us uh, because we gave up that right when Adam sinned. And there is a time time frame there uh, Jesus did uh, come down and yank uh, uh, Satan's authority away but Satan is the God of this world Satan is the, is the prince of darkness and so he does have a place to come before God and make accusations against us one day he will be thrown down and God won't hear those accusations any longer 
but right now he does. And so even though there is judgment upon this land of America, there is judgment upon this whole world, that God the Father and, and, and God Jesus and, and God the Holy Spirit are down here um, uh, telling us to, uh, to repent. They're telling us, you know, to be careful to dot our I's, cross our T's, meaning wash our hands, you know, to be careful as we run into the fire to help people, as we lay down our life to help people. You know, the Holy Spirit's there to remind us we need to pray for these nurses and these doctors that the Holy Spirit reminds them when they're getting ready, you know, and even guide their hands, direct their steps. So if they're getting ready to touch, you know, uh, someplace they shouldn't be touching, that the Holy Spirit sends an angel and they don't touch those things, you know, um, because that's the, that's the way God is. God does not want to judge us um, um, for those things. And God is not sending this a, a plague upon us to do these kind of things. So let's uh, go down to, uh, well, I guess we're, I guess we're done on that one. Uh, Daniel'swindow.org, where we watch and pray.